The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. This is Sportbox. Your headlines this hour. Wall Street rallies higher for the second straight day as better than expected data and upbeat earnings from Nike and FedEx keep hopes alive for an end of year rally. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky makes a historic address to U.S. uh, congressmen and women telling lawmakers next year will be a turning point in the war with Russia while Washington pledges to boost military support against all odds and doom and gloom scenarios, Ukraine didn't fall. Ukraine is alive and kicking. Well, another chapter in the saga of Sam Bankman-Fried. The gentleman has now been extradited to the United States as two of his top lieutenants at the failed crypto exchange FTX plead guilty to federal charges of fraud in New York. This investigation is very much ongoing and it's moving very quickly. I also said that last week's announcement would not be our last. And let me be clear once again, neither is today's. Elsewhere, Micron shares slip in extended trade after the US chipmaker suspends bonuses. What's a bonus I hear you ask? Uh, Suspends bonuses and announces it will cut its workforce by 10% after posting a first quarter loss. And coming up this hour, we'll get an insight into how price pressures are impacting the construction sector with an exclusive interview with the Wienerberger CEO. That is Heimo Scheusch. Good year, but you didn't knock the ball out of the park. <laughs> I was wondering if any of the viewers noticed my little ad on the head. That was great. Do you know what? It's like two great. wise monkeys. If only we had a third. Right. That's oh, what we oh, need, oh. isn't it? Yeah, it is. See it. no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Oh, look. This. Good morning, Peter. Peter Tugard. <laughs> When's the last time I saw Peter Tugard? Three years. Did, did you, did three years three, in person. It's nearly three years in person. Yeah. Yeah. It feels longer. It does. Yeah. 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 How oh, are you all right? I'm still here, yes. Good. Well played. still. We're all still gainfully employed, although I don't know if I'll be getting bonuses. Then after that bonus right. comment, I might be in a bit of trouble. Uh, let's just give you this uh, bit of data very quickly here. UK final third quarter GDP coming in at negative 0.3% quarter on quarter. So the preliminary estimate on this figure was negative 0.2%. The Reuters poll in at negative 0.2%. The third quarter GDP just a, a little worse than the expectation. Peter, any, any reason to, to, to expect anything better from the UK at this point? Are we already in recession? Yes. We're in a, if you look at it in practical terms, we're in a nominal recession. I mean, take retail sales volumes, they're down 8 9% this year. I mean, so practically speaking, I'd argue in nominal terms, we're already in trouble. Right. And, and it's the pricing effect that has made it, that's flattered to deceive. So, um, recession for the economy is a catch-all by its nature. Correct. It is a snapshot on the broader economy. And yet I know, 
as you two do as well, because we keep our ear to the ground a little bit. We speak to a lot of, dare I say it, normal people, not in the city of London as well. <laughs> and it is a very mixed market out there as well. I know some people who are rushed off their feet. I know people who can't employ anyone at all because it is impossible to get hold of anyone. Some of these indicators are not indicators of a recession. No, but there's massive cost pressures. And the fact is that hasn't changed. Oh, that's abated. So if you, if you own that's business. That's abated. You know, well, labour costs have not abated. Um, uh, so and the, the variable, what's the most important factor in a service economy, and we are a service economy, it's still labour, and labour's a challenge. And I've it is a challenge been. everywhere. Go you on. haven't. I have. <laughs> no, you haven't. At least one. <laughs> At least one. I, I've made some new friends <laughs> since I moved down well, to Sussex three, over a decade uh, ago, oh, right, and some oh, of them right. have unfortunately stuck, mostly because okay. the wife and children, you know, they just yeah. have to meet me. Um, but I know a gentleman I know who I consider to be a friend, although I'm not sure if he does me, uh, said to me, he, he's building a, a, an edifice you haven't seen. You've seen a picture of this, yes, this, yes. this, this gargantuan yeah, thing he's it's, building. It's a monument. It's a monument to his success. And he said to me, for the first time in the history of this three-year build so far, another year ago, um, it's the first time in the last couple of months that the builders and the construction works have not been talking about the cost of materials. Mm, mm, and I, and I, I value his, he's a very successful businessman, and I value what he has to mm -hmm. say about the state of the market. So the price pressures on materials are certainly abating. Yeah, and the price point for an electrician or a carpenter is not. Has not abated. Indeed. No. And <laughs> exactly. at the end no, of the day, that's the driver. Point. Hence why and I said there's no catch-all. But, catch but on the market. other hand, the UK started this year the cheapest market in the world, ignored by absolutely everybody. And of course this year, um, ah. relatively speaking, has held its own. Well, because you were priced pretty much at the start of this year from a degree of misery. Yeah. It's holding up primarily because A, no one owns it, and B, actually, in most cases, it's still the cheapest you developed market. You have gone straight into where I want to go, but may I just uh, go for a little stroll first and then come back to you? Because I, I, I have enough. Three years no. and you're leaving. That's it. Uh, I'm out of it. I'm out of it. It's just, it's when you disagreed with me about the labour costs. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Peter, I'll come back to you in a few moments' time because I have got some other business and I'm, I'm desperate need not to be in trouble with uh, Michael and David who are running the show in the last couple of shows of the year. I really want to stay on their good books or at least get out of their bad books quite so much. Um, right, so the US, this is interesting and we're talking about clutching at straws, we're looking at finding the right data, like a, a man is scratching around amidst the dirt for a dime or something as well. And I wonder if that's what the market's doing at the moment. It is trying to find some good news. It is trying to find some reason not to be gloomy. And despite the fact that CPI is still high, albeit off its highs, and I think we just agreed about that there, despite the fact that the retail sales figures were worrying for many people last week, despite the fact that the Fed is going higher for longer, as indeed are the cohorts of central bankers on, on a global basis, the market's still trying to scratch around saying, are we being too pessimistic? Is there something that we can cling on to? And the thing that the market clung on to yesterday was the conference board consumer data, which was the highest level since April. Peter, you might want to listen to some of this because I'm going to come back to you on this one. I'm going to test you in a moment rather than chatting away with Jeffrey. So the market clung on to... Well, do that after the show. I know you guys are going for a big slap up breakfast. Unfortunately, I can't make it because I haven't been invited. Um, conference board consumer <laughs> highest level since April 2020. And I think that's what the market was trying to cling on to yesterday. So it came in at 108.3, which is 6.9 uh, percentage points higher than we saw in November. And that sent these markets to their highest, um, well, the biggest rally they've seen uh, in, in many days. So 1.5% higher across the board. One thing I do think is interesting, and again, I don't know if uh, the other two at the desk of all of you, the NASDAQ didn't outperform and one thing we normally see when there's a convincing risk on rally is that the market will perform higher, higher on the growth stocks they'll get more excited about the the, the terms of trade and, and it didn't outperform and I wonder if that speaks volumes 
yesterday. Uh, I'll move on because the dollar crosses are very important and we do want to get back to uh, Peter who has been fully paying attention to me now. Uh, um, the pound has come off again, 121 uh, from its highs. Euro dollar, 106.45. Pound not really moving on the back of the data. Jeff just uh, broke there. Dollar yen trading down five tenths of one percent. Dollar yuan is flat on the session. Asian indices, what do they look like? What was going on? I think there was a bit of a rally. By and large, Hang Seng putting on 2.5%. ASX 200, five tenths of one percent high. And the European futures look like this. Are they behind me? No, they're not. Are they? Okay. Go for it. Well, thank you, Alex. Got there eventually. Uh, uh, three tenths of one percent higher for the FTSE 100. So, so my, my point is the same, uh, and I'll just do this very quickly before we get on to talk about market values. The market is seeing stuff it doesn't like in the data at the moment. It didn't like higher for longer from the central banks. It's not particularly enamoured by the inflation coming <laughs> off from its highs. We haven't really had a, that big a rally. So when the market gets excited about conference board data, Peter, that is a swallow. And it's not necessarily a swallow which is going to make a wholesome. Do you, do you think the market's getting ahead of itself, having strong rallies on the piece of one piece of data such as the conference board? Standard bear market practice. Yeah, Nothing. Okay. Why is it different so from that? Yeah. yeah. So everyone, well, what does the primary driver, most people imagine, is a, a pivot? Well, I wish them well with that. Secondarily, if you do pivot, you tend to then have a weaker market for the continuing period because they're basically inviting you to say, actually, it's so bad, we're going to start easing. That's not good for corporate profits. So there's the challenge to the excitement over a pivot. The inflation data is great. My main concern next year remains the same. I still think bond yields will shift higher for the wrong reason, which is I still think September this year was a nice warning about what can come if governments okay. carry on you spending. You said lots there, and I'm very interested in all of what you just said. So bond yields will go higher for the wrong reasons. Bond Explain, yields, sir. Later in the year, into next year, we've gone from Q, yeah, QE to QT. What has been fascinating, those of us who understood QE meant lower shifted bond yields with the ECB being 140% of daily turnover and buying every single European bond for the last six years, sovereign bonds, suddenly next year they're going to issue a trillion and they're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Mm, entertaining. The UK has got to what, do what, nearly 300 billion, of which 80% is new. All of this is going to be shifted into a market where the banks are notionally not buying it anymore, as in the central banks. So although we're all pivoting on the inflation, pivoting, get this threat, very good, um, I'm actually as concerned about the issuance yeah. and, and what it means. And notice bond yields, are they f collapsing when the market falls 2-3%? No, they're not. So something is interesting in the bond market and the equity market, and they are correlating. And I think that was the theme of this year, and I think you've got to be wary of it next year. It doesn't mean the world is disastrous. We aren't starting with a guilt yield of half percent, are we? At least they've got some yield on them. But it's a different kind of dynamic for next year. Which has been fascinating, because, I mean, this year, the traditional 60-40 has been a disaster because of mm. what you've been talking about, that correlation between equities and bonds here. But everybody we're talking to at the moment has bonds oh, for next year. They're all in. They're they all in. they want bonds, they want gold, they want emerging markets. They think that liquidity has troughed and is going to improve from here on in. Michael Howell was sat there yesterday mm -hmm. saying, yeah, yeah, liquidity is coming back here. It's going to be a better year for bonds. But you disagree with Everyone's that thesis? Everyone joined the party in September, October. So I've just finished a thread of 40 bond management meetings in November. Everyone you know, plus, and they're all, for the first time since the GFC, I would say, they are somewhere between neutral and long duration, i.e. interest rate sensitivity in their portfolios. What do they think of equities, Peter? Uh, it varies. Okay, go on. Give, give, well, give, the, area, give, the, the equity you buy is the one that can cope with the increased cost of capital. That's the key. And the cost of capital will drive um, how the housing market looks, how bonds look, and how, what kind of equity you buy for the next 12 months. And I think that's the thread. And for the decade, I'm going to be strong, stick my neck out here and go with, dividends will now be 70% of your return again, like they were for the last 70 years, barring the last 14 years, because in September of this year, 
bond yields got back to pre-GFC. You annihilated 14 years of government of banks busily buying the bond yield, bringing the nominal down and taking the corporate bonds and credit with them. That was eviscerated in three weeks, which is an astounding statistic. That's where we got to. Yeah? The US 30-year, just under 4%. That's where it's traded for or near enough 25, 30 years. So just go through the mechanics of what happened. We eviscerated the GFC in one go. That's also the opportunity. This is why bond managers are understandably going, hey, in the world I know, four, four on the on the Treasury Sovereign, six on the Cred, IG, five and a half, six on the IG, near a 10 on high yield, they go, yeah, I'm in. That's my mandate, thank you very much. That's why they're buying it. What about the, um, I mean, you talked about <clears throat> the divvy opportunity here. Do you get a better opportunity to, to get that divvy at a better price from here on in? I, are we going to have another significant down leg You're, for equity markets that'll give me a better entry price? Possibly still the US is the challenge. Back to Steve's point on the NASDAQ, people <coughs> are still absolutely wedded to the growth thesis. And the problem is you've taken out the profitless growth, you've halved the fangs, which everyone forgets was a theme. We talked about it very early in the year. I said the mm. fangs are going to halve. I remember I was on your show saying Kathy it. Kathy Wood and not going to be Kathy, made good then next year. No, funny enough. Funny enough. Kathy the, Wood headlines the last 24 hours. Yes, well, quite. And Lobe, Dan Loeb's right. It was just <coughs> nonsense. It's absolute nonsense buying Peloton. What? What nonsense? Profitless growth has gone. Yay, let's be happy. And, and the fangs have halved. A bit huh? of GoPro going on there, wasn't oh, it? Oh, just bit, bit nonsensical. Kind of but, but interestingly, <laughs> right at the margin, maybe time to talk about later, um, the growth, uh, some growth is being rebought. I mean, Microsoft has gone down a long way. It's still a good core business, et cetera, et cetera. So people are beginning to skew slightly back to the growth, certainly if they weren't there. Mm. The problem is you've got a lot of vested interest still sticking there, hoping that we just go back to NASDAQ 16, 18,000 again, whatever. Um, I doubt that's going to be the case. If, the flavour changed a lot. The flavour changed August <coughs> of 21. If you think about it, they started going falling mm. autumn of 21, the fangs. That's when they started cratering. They began to fall away. Amazon clipped price not far off when Jeff Bezos left. Isn't that funny? Um, at that point, and they've continued to derate, and they're derating into a vacuum at this point. People are nervous. Peter, if I can, if I can hold cash or cash-like instruments at the short end and get four, four and a half percent. What, what, three what? to four. Well, okay. Uh, three to four. And you think that may be as good as it gets. Why do I need your industry? But, but I, I, would, I would question highly um, why you wouldn't buy cash at the moment. I agree that cash should be a part of an allocation. I suppose the argument back the other way is because there's inflation roaring at around 7 to 10 percent depending on where you are and although we all think it's going to be 2 percent one day everybody knows so it can't possibly do, be. Peter? The industry, well the dividends continues to grow. Your cash at three doesn't grow does it? Yeah right so I'll just buy a, I don't know, a Vanguard product or an ETF, some passive one. Why do you, I need the industry? I think, I think you for equity income I do think there is an element of you needing to, to be discerning. You remove a lot of the uh, benchmark if you are looking at an income plus product. Um, so there is a degree of uh, variety around what you purchase. And I still think you're going to have to be fleet of foot. It's not going to be automatic. So you should have come out of energy probably more recently. Yeah. Are we going to look at the financials? Everyone's been buying financials again. That's an interesting thread. And that's obviously just the net interest margins. But that move has been starting for the last three or four months. The energy thing, economically sensitive, going into recession, maybe I clip that away, start looking at financials. So there's a rotation going on, Steve, as well. And actually, in many ways, a classic rotation. So I've just listed them here. We've just done the basics, the energy and the staples, and we're now moving into staples and healthcare. Because it's the most defensive moment right now. But we will find sometime in the next 12 months, could be the next three months, depends how the market feels, when that you start looking at the bottom. End, Peter? 
uh, when probably the element that it required is the f is the f is that Fed pivot, but as I said to you, I think it's a little longer than that because I think the bond we're all going to have to get used to higher bond issues. So we're bond, talking bond yields higher, possibly two H next year. Yeah, most people are going for two H. One H twenty four. Well, if, unless the S and P obliges by perhaps going to two thousand eight hundred three thousand now, that would be nice. But it won't. Well, it, what it should do based on earnings and what's going to happen next year. I mean, it's the other theme in the equity market is the margins. So why you end up rotating back to these divvy players? Traditionally, they have better margins. They can hold their margins and they're paying out. Yeah. And in an environment where the earnings are going to be a challenge, um, then you are looking at that. But perversely, defensive is now Nike, LVMH. Here's the other weird thing. Yeah, what is now defensive? Nike yeah. lost three percentage points, but it's still whopping great margins Steve, compared to I, 90% of industries out there. Agreed. And so the other thing that's very interesting is people are now saying, are those luxury things very defensive? Because rich people are still rich, regardless of inflation. Yeah. See Selfridges or Harrods for reference. Um, so back to your theme with the restaurants are full. There is this clique of individuals that are pretty much unaware Some of what's going on. I'm not sure oh, agreed. I agree yeah. with you. But who does LVMH sell to? Not you and me. No. Well, maybe uh, you, Steve. No, with your, with your bonus. That chair, yeah, maybe. With uh, your bonus. So just walk us through the, the two good playbook for 2023 then. Think about some cash because it's yielding you three to four. How much? Still, oh, I don't percentage know. Percentage of still, portfolio? I'd still be Not 45. No, 20 to 25. So no 60-40, Peter? No, no, no. You've got to be. And, and then your bond weighting is flexible. You're going to have to buy. And that's why I'm saying active management. You need active interest rate sensitivity management and you're going to need active credit duration. Uh, credit management. You are. It's going to not just be a simple beta one, bond yield down, central banks buy, blah, blah. It's going to be bond yields here or thereabouts, possibly even higher. Therefore, how do you buy? How, what do you do, Steve? You buy an active fund. And I don't say that that often. I haven't said that for a long time in bonds because you would just go and buy Vanguard and BlackRock. I'm sorry, with bond yields where they are and likely to rise as well as fall slightly, you buy an active fund. And the active funds have done well this year. Do not forget the bulk of credit funds have outperformed their alleged benchmarks this alleged year. Alleged benchmarks. And that is, I think, the world we're in. And I don't always sit as an advocate for it. You know what I do. I go and talk to fund managers all day. I put them into portfolios. But this is definitely the period of time when you want an active credit manager. Uh, and just very briefly, uh, it's getting some attention at the moment, the China reopening. Um, yes. Is China worth owning at the moment? The is Japan you? worth owning? The I mean, yeah. after the shock... <laughs> of the uh, the band widening on the JGB that took the 10-year to, what, levels we've not seen since 2015 mm -hmm. at 0 0.25. I know, it's exciting to 0 0.45. Yeah. Yeah, I know, no, um, so, Japan bottom-up activists everywhere, foreign activists, foreign, foreign investor activists, but more importantly, domestically. And actually, the Japanese managers have been keen all year. Talking to Japanese equity fund managers, they are just lit up because there's a lot of stock opportunities in front of them. And actually, that's still the growth and the value, interestingly. The least economically digital economy in the world, etc. all those opening ups, plus the shareholder value creation of of having more active, activist fund managers and China's just cheap or was cheap. The opening thing and the idea there's a mass spend coming out of there, well, the mobility numbers in China haven't been that bad. So I'm not buying the idea as an opening. Everyone looks at the 30% of savings. Yeah, that's what they need for their health care and everything else they have to pay for. So there's not this great, wonderful, stiny check being handed to them that they've had in the US and here. So, so, but the stocks and individually and what Asian managers are doing, they have been rotating back into China and we, Hong Kong. They have. Absolutely. We have to say goodbye. Yeah. Has it really been three years? Sorry. Yes, I know. Wow. So oh, well, and one day I'll come again. Maybe yeah. in three years' well, time. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll see you in about three years, Peter. Oh no. Jeff will see you in two no, hours and forty minutes no. for a slap up break. Well, I don't think no. it'll be two hours and forty minutes. No, 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 no. I've but you'll be on your way home. Go to the library. If it's two hours and forty no, minutes, we'll both be book. on the way home. That's about eleven. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. Um, what, what's what are you, having for, are you having black pudding? Is it full English? What do we do? Might go for it. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? It's going to sit on the tummy before you lunch.
Can't okay. do that anymore. I'm too old. Can't do those wrists now. Really? All gone. Yeah. What about the vegan option? That's my daughter. I've learned how to cook all sorts of vegan things. What, like a vegan sausage as opposed to a pork sausage? Well no, 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 no. All the lentils and chickpeas, the whole game. I can do it all, mate. I can put the sweet pea on top of the couscous. You just asked me. <laughs> do you know pizza? Look at that. <laughs> a sweet pea on top of the couscous. Bear with us. A sweet pea? Isn't a sweet pea flour? Sweet, sweet potato, darling. Oh, sweet potato. Sweet sure potato, sweet sorry. Sweet potato, red pepper. Sweet couscous with a bit of Harry's sauce. So I can tell yeah. you all about it. I can tell you all about it. I'll yeah. back actually, the I, actually, I'm yeah. starting to go off this breakfast. <laughs> 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 can we just go back to the black pudding and the sausages? Come down the library with me. I've got to change my book. Um, <laughs> thanks, Peter. <laughs> Peter, too good. Sometime guest. Uh, Chief Investment Officer at Embark Group. See you in three years, buddy. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky has met with President Biden at the White House during a high-stakes trip to Washington, D.C. The Ukrainian leader also visited Capitol Hill, where he told a joint session of Congress that Ukraine will, quote, never surrender to Russia. Uh, The U.S. also announced a $1.85 billion military aid package for Ukraine, but Zelensky's visit also comes just days before Congress is set to vote on a new spending bill with billions more in assistance uh, destined for Ukraine. NBC's Alice Barr filed this report from Washington. A standing ovation tonight for Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, who left the front lines of his war-torn country on a high-stakes mission to secure more military aid from the U.S. Congress. Your money is not charity. It's an investment in the global security and democracy. Dressed in his signature fatigue-style sweatshirt and cargo pants, the Ukrainian leader evoking America's struggles for freedom as his soldiers fight on against a brutal Russian invasion. We Ukrainians will also go through our war of independence and freedom with dignity and success. President Zelensky bringing a flag signed by soldiers holding the line. Ukraine didn't fall. Ukraine is alive and kicking. The Ukrainian president's first foreign trip since the invasion began comes as lawmakers race to pass a massive funding bill that includes more than $45 billion in Ukrainian military and economic aid. Ukrainian courage and American resolve must guarantee the future of our common freedom. The stirring speech comes after Zelensky met with President Biden in the Oval Office, bringing home promises of support to make it through a hard winter. The light of our faith in ourselves will not be put out. Hope, the greatest weapon this Christmas in Ukraine. President Biden today announced close to $2 billion in additional emergency aid, including long-sought Patriot air defense missile systems. Supporters in Congress are trying to secure long-term funding before Republicans take control of the House and potentially crack down on spending for Ukraine. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. Thank you, Alice. And coming up on the show, construction giant Wienerberger unveils plans to acquire a portion of roof maker Terrell's operations. Uh, We'll discuss that and more with Wienerberger's CEO, Heimo Scheuch, next. And the podcast. Oh, it's a win today. Uh, Lots on Zelensky, lots on economies and lots on what fund managers are doing. Um, And that lady's not on it, the one in the middle. It's just me and him.
Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on cnbc.com. So, Wienerberger has announced it intends to buy some of the core businesses of the French roofmaker Carreal. Uh, the 600 million euro offer by the Austrian brick producer uh, would see it uh, take over Terreal's, uh, Terreal, it's got to be Terreal, isn't it, French, yeah, operations in the US, France, Italy and Spain. Let's get to Heimo Scheuch, the CEO of Wienerberger, who joins us now. Um, I believe from Vienna. Heimo, uh, well, I'll say Merry Christmas. I'll say at the end of the interview as well. Lovely to speak to you as ever, my friend, as well. Um, acquisitions at the moment. Are you finding the right kind of bolt-ons at the right kind of price then? It looks like you are. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. Good morning also from Vienna. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm very glad that we can uh, perform this acquisition. It's a very important one. It's the biggest one in the history of the company. And it gives us a very strong footprint in the renovation market, especially with respect to the roofs. Yeah, it's very interesting. I'm, I'm on their website and I'm looking at the roofing solutions, the solar, the structure, the facade decorations. Well, it looks a really interesting business as well. Are you finding, Haimo, across the board that some of the inflationary pressures, and again, I talked about the price of this business as well, but some of the inflationary pressures for materials, across your entire business, across your ecosystem. Has it abated? Because my people, my friends in the industry, from my son to friends of mine as well, they're all telling me things seem a little bit easier than they were. It's a little bit easing up, yeah, indeed, because obviously from a supply perspective, internationally and globally speaking, the supply chain is is not running much better and there's no constraints. And also from uh, from a cost side, we see that uh, it's now... I would sort of say flattening out. It's not increasing much. However, keep in mind that especially in Europe, we will see additional uh, inflation increase due to labor costs that are currently going up significantly. We are talking here between 5 and 10%. So you will see this also in 2023. I just wanted to come back to the deal briefly. Um, This is subject to approval from the unions and also from the regulators. We know historically it's been a difficult country to do cross-border M&A with. Um, Are you confident that this will go through and why are you confident? First of all, I think, uh, you know, I am educated in France. I spent a fair amount of life in my France. So it's not a a difficult country as such. They have different systems as all of us have. the unions will approve this because they, they like us as an industrial operator and a long-term investor in the business. So I don't see a problem with the people and we have great values in Wienerberger. With the antitrust authorities, I think also here we have a strong case. We are not that strong in roofing in Germany and in France. These are the two countries that are predominantly affected. So I'm, I'm, we, we obviously analyze the situation deeply and thoroughly and I'm very confident that we get this through. Coming back to, I think, Steve's second question, the environment that you're going to be operating in going forward. Obviously, inflation has been a concern. 
the, the wage element of that has been an issue in the construction industry. But now I think we're just looking at the, the, the consequences of the repricing of money and what that ultimately means for property prices and new construction projects. What's your forecast and expectation for Europe for next year? Well, if you look, you have to distinguish between the new build one and the renovation. And I think if we talk about the new build a minute, I do see that there will be a decline of around 15%, in some countries a little more and countries less, uh, with respect to new housing. Because obviously, as you correctly pointed out, prices have increased significantly, but above all, interest rates and the availability of loans for people who want to buy. So this is, I think, going to affect us uh, next year. I do think that the new build sector will um, sort of then level out at this uh, mm-hmm. minus 15. Keep in mind also that already this year we had certain declines. So I think we are back at volumes and and, uh, and the market in the new build, probably comparable to 2017-18 before Corona and before the sort of peak in 2021. Renovation, on the contrary, I do see and we feel it also It's a a strong business, incentivized especially due to the climate change and the reduction of energy. And above all, today, everybody looks uh, at her or his uh, uh, sort of energy bill. And therefore, a renovation roof facade is something that people will do. And they are incentivized also by tax breaks or other uh, subsidies. Hi, Mo. I know CEOs sometimes make out to me and Jeff that we don't look at the share price and we're actually all about shareholder value. But I know you all sneakily have a look at your share price on a fairly regular basis and your shares are down 30 percent so far this year. So how do you feel about that, Haimo? Is that all about this inflation environment and concerns that the market has for your margins? Or have you already discounted a potential slowdown stroke recession in Europe? Because I'm just fascinated by what you think about the share price, because many of our uh, experts who come on saying, well, the market hasn't factored in a recession. And I just wonder how you felt about that. Well, if you look at our share price and our performance, we'll come in roughly at a billion ABTR, so a strong improvement on operations and performance this year. And the share price, as you correctly pointed out, is down 30%. So the market basically has already priced in recession or a downturn, first of all. Secondly, I think when you look at the market, and uh, you guys are well um, positioned to do that, American investors that are predominantly the investors in continental Europe and in our shares as well, they are not active right now. So they are waiting and looking what's going to happen. The war that you are mentioning currently, that uh, the energy crisis, all of this has affected uh, their sentiment. So I think you will have certainly another three to four months on the market uh, where there's no clear tendency. And then when the the sky clears up, probably April uh, this year, then they will see coming back buying into the European shares because they are very cheap compared to American uh, companies. And especially when you look at the dollar, euro uh, and uh, the exchange rate. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.